Hi, uh, this is Waska Robles, and this is Catatonia, a manual, a guide to understanding Puerto Rico before and after the hurricane, an intent to discuss what happened, why it happened, and what can be done. Um, like I said, my name is Waskar, and I am from Caguas, Puerto Rico, recording here in Harlem, New York. That's why you can probably hear the sirens, the echoes of the conversations um, from the street, and um, the joy and anxiety that permeates this um, part of uh, New York City. I decided to work on this um, podcast because I wanted to find a way to talk about what's happening. In my first episode, I want to talk about my mom. Um, why my mom? Because after the hurricane, my mom moved here and my life has centered around her, which has a big change. And... Um, I am sure that there are a lot of people out there whose lives have been modified by their um, loved ones moving in with them or their loved ones moving away from them. And I thought um, this could be an opportunity to talk about um, how we relate to one another after the hurricane. What are the plans? Are we going back? Are we staying here? If we stay here, do we create a life or do we stay on the sidelines? What do we do when we leave our country? And what do we do if we return to our country? There's are some of the questions that I would like to discuss. Um, and I would welcome your comments throughout this uh, podcast. So, okay, um, let's talk about first about my mom. You know, my mom, her name is Maria Carrasquillo. Um, she unfortunately shares the same name as the um, natural disaster that um, just you know went through Puerto Rico. Um, she's a retired teacher and um, a caring and loving human being that since I was a five-year-old forced me to read a book, you know, a month taught me new words in English and Spanish and basically taught me to care about everybody else, not just not just me. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, we had an entire family live with us because they didn't have a place to live. So our parents taught us the value of altruism since we were kids. Perhaps that's why I'm a journalist and, you know, that's why she's a teacher And my dad's a doctor. People that have always tried to help others and tell the story of others. The night that my mom arrived in Puerto Rico, I was not at the airport to pick her up. I was at a gallery in the Lower East Side. I was part of the uh, Fantasy Island um, exhibit a project to discuss how Puerto Rico had been presented as a tax haven for for investors and and the real estate market. Um, 
I couldn't cancel because I was one of the main performers and organizers. And with a heavy heart, I had to ask my brother to pick her up, who did it gladly. Um, Fantasy Island as a project was something that a, an amazing artist called Shea Rivera began to discuss Puerto Rico's financial situation because before Maria, before Hurricane Irma, um, Puerto Rico's uh, municipal bond debt was affecting the livelihood of many people and we needed to create some sort of a vehicle to discuss this in Fantasy Island. Um, was it? It was an exhibit with uh, video gifts that artist Shady Veda created and um, a performance in which, you know, I embody the personality of an investor who goes to Puerto Rico to gauge the market and while he is touring the town of Santurce in Puerto Rico, he begins to understand and narrate how Puerto Rico became so indebted. And before I drafted that that monologue, the one of the ending paragraphs says, What would be of Borinquen, the other way we call Puerto Rico? What would be of Borinquen when the storm comes, which is a translation of a song llamado Temporal that reads ¿Qué será de mi Borinquen cuando venga el temporal? What would be of Borinquen when the storm comes? Um, performing Fantasy Island instead of picking my mom up from the airport was very difficult but I felt like I had to continue my responsibilities with with Puerto Rico and soon I would have my mom with me um, I didn't the moment that I closed the monologue and I and I finished the performance I spoke with a few folks and I told the organizers gallery owners I, that I had to go I, I was in a suit I took my jacket off because it was hot and I got into a taxi and I just rushed um, through the FDR um, to my apartment in Harlem and um, I live in a six-story walk-up so imagine walking with all your performance paraphernalia up those stairs marble stairs and um, I know I was exhausted and I was breathing hard I was like oh my god I'm just but I was so happy to to welcome my mom I did something really stupid <laughs> because we had Facebook lived the event I figured hey we could do a Facebook live of my mom seeing me for the first time I've always found that very disturbing when people do it because there's are very private moments that all of a sudden become not just public but performative and um, they can be very very tender and when you look at them you know you 
you you feel fuzzy and warm inside when you see them. Um, at the same time, um, you could always be suspect of of what you're watching. But I had that idea of presenting to the world, you know, seeing my mom. A terrible idea. Um, when I when I opened the door, I called out her name. I had the camera in my hand. I said, Mommy, Mommy, Thai, Mommy, Mom, Mom, are you there? And um, I looked at her. She looked at me and she doesn't know what Facebook Live is. And she just sort of, she just, she just stared blankly. Um, I understood why I wanted to use Facebook at that point. When I was seeing her, I was seeing her through the lens of the application and somewhat I was making a spectacle of it because otherwise it would be real. But I was creating and seeing it through Facebook as something else that did not belong to me. When I took down the the iPhone and decided not to do it, I went to hug her. She she was skinny. She had lost weight. My mom has beautiful brown hair that clearly it's you know it's tinted, but it's beautiful brown and long and she's she's got a curvy body. Um but she was skinny and she didn't seem frail. She actually seemed strong when I saw her. The kind of strength that you used to get through things. She had her chest high up as if to show me that she had arrived. But at that very moment, she collapsed in my arms as if she could finally put that armor aside. That body armor or that emotional armor that she had worn to get through those eight hours in the airport and the airplane she could put it aside and now she could cry and she did she cried so much she she left you know tears in the in my suit um and um you know what she said at that point will never ever leave um, my mind and that memory it's one of the most beautiful memories I will ever carry with me for the rest of my life the first thing she said I have never seen Puerto Rico like this everything was torn apart the entire town of Caguas where we used to live was leveled it's as if a bomb had been dispatched in there. And I know we've all heard those very um, quizzical explanations or comparisons, and they all seem very similar, right? A bomb was dropped off, everything was leveled, um, the trees were bent, the buildings collapsed, the lampposts had been... um, 
torn off, trees ripped apart, are very common descriptions of, of a destruction when any natural disasters races through any area. But then she said something else. The birds and the bees kept fluttering around looking for a place to stay. To think about the inside of my mom, how before she talked about her, my sister, her, her daughters, my son-in-law, my father, she described her anguish for the island and for the creatures that could not hold or place themselves safely. That's what she was thinking about. The birds and the bees. I, I can't even imagine why anybody would think about that that is not someone who's a scientist or someone who is involved in you know animals or insects and that's my mom that's her heart that's what she looks at um, since I was a kid she taught me to love my country I wanted to put together the puzzle of my mom during the hurricane I wanted to understand what happened to her, what she had been through, the notes she took and stored the weight in her head. So let me break it down. You know, Hurricane Maria came to Puerto Rico on September 20th. It was a Wednesday. But he had begun late at night about two in the morning. Um, earlier that that weekend, I was at, in Brooklyn at the World's Nano Fair, an event to welcome the technology of the future. And I keep thinking, wow, I would love to bring this to Puerto Rico. If we could do a World's Nano Fair and get youth inspired and into the future, maybe we would have a better economy. We would have people building things to lift Puerto Rico out of poverty. Um, that was Saturday. And then Sunday, my mom called me and she said, you know, the hurricane, there's a hurricane coming and, you know, I want to go to New York. I I told her mom, you know, Hurricane Irma just, just stopped by and, you know, it didn't really do a whole lot. So I think it's going to be fine. She's like, it, it looks really bad. And I was like, mom, stay home. I'll... I'm sure it's going to be fine. Clearly, I have to live with that decision because I know that had I taken her out that weekend, I would have spared her from living what she lived. That was Sunday. On Tuesday night, I spoke with her briefly. She sounded frightened. She still didn't want to... She wanted to stay in her apartment by herself. And I was like, get on the car with my sister. Go to her apartment. They were living in the town of Caguas. It's a relatively um, 
safe town and lived there most of my life. It's uh, Sebastian of a middle class who was um, made strong economically by um, William Marin, uh, former mayor of, uh, of the town, and then kept in, in good shape after his son took over. And um, my mom's apartment, um, it's, it's sturdy, it's a walk-up, but I wouldn't want to leave my mom alone under any circumstance, under even the faintness of storms. So she left with my with my sister after after us debating. The Hurricane Maria began as a category five somewhere when he was around San Croix. But as the I was approaching Puerto Rico, especially the island of Vieques, it turned into a category four. This is according to weather.gov, and my mom tells me that the, the wind and the strength and the, and the objects that the wind carried and pushed aside and made that whooshing sound from one side to the next started really early, 2 in the morning, so at 6.30... They all huddled in a in a bathroom, or I think it was a, a walk-in closet, and they stayed there. I while this is happening, I'm starting to see all the the Facebook posts in New York, and I'm looking at the initial images from the news and from from regular folks who were transmitting through Facebook and I was on the train from Harlem on the number one train and I just just started crying because I knew that this was not going to be as a storm like the other storms and um, I texted my mom and as soon as I got to the uh, to to work I said I texted are you okay where are you she texted back, "We're in the, we're in the closet. We're, we're safe." Um, I texted my dad. He said he was also safe. They are divorced and they live in separate houses. And knowing that my sister and my mom and my nieces were safe in one home, and that my dad and his family was safe in another, kept me calm. But that was the last time I heard from them um, from for a while. Um, so my mom explains what happened during those six hours that they were stuck there. the The wind was so strong; it felt like it was shaking the the walls. They have concrete walls. The windows were also fluttering, and they knew that water was coming in from several sources of the house. So while they're there, stuck in that room, they're imagining 
what's happening to the house. Now, they were relatively safe, and I'm not going to play it out as if something more dramatic happened. You know, my family was fine. They were spared. Many people were not. And if you look at reports from media from el- el- elsewhere in on the island, the devastation was. It's, it's difficult to to assess emotionally and intellectually. Um, for example, there is a neighborhood in Añasco, in the western part of the island, in the little place called La Zumbadora, uh, where, where, as reported by GFR Media, the, the ceiling of this house was ripped off. Um, the water levels rose and when the the water subsided when storm had left the island these families were left with nothing there's another video of a woman just pointing her smartphone at what used to be her house and if you look at the image there's nothing there their sink is a puddle of sink and wood and she kept describing that's my room this is my my bedroom this is this this is that and her voice is just destroyed with crackling so for six hours Puerto Ricans had to see how from their limited uptake what was happening they didn't know what was happening to the entire island and what would happen later with the aid at about noon my family left their their closet um and they the first floor was flooded um, the doors from all the rooms had a couple of inches of water in them and um, the second floor some of the walls were um, some of the some of the walls who that had um, crystal were were broken some of the windows were broken and a large iguana had made its way into the uh, into the living room, so it felt like the outside was in. And again, it was a situation that was easy to remediate compared to what many other families lived. And I don't really want to focus on the terrible things that happened because we all know that both solidarity and chaos developed side, side saddled for the next few weeks. Um, I hadn't heard from my parents for about a week. I remember calling NPR and they they put me on on the on on air and I I know that uh, Council Speaker Melissa Marbiverito and the host, whose name I forget, were discussing Puerto Rico, and I 
told them the last time I heard from my family, they were in a closet. I think they're fine. They were in a, in a sturdy house. I don't really know how to interject through the phone when people are discussing something on the radio because I don't have any any experience on the radio. But I wanted to tell them that the hurricane was going to exacerbate the economic problems the island already had and that one thing to do was to eliminate the Jones Act. The Jones Act, as some of you know, it's the the um, the act that allowed Puerto Rico to become part of the U.S. with many caveats, and chief among them was that Puerto Rico would receive products through U.S. chips, which makes any product, you know, overpriced, and that has created. Um, a dent in our economy because we spend more money for products than other places. Um, I slowly started hearing from my family. I think my dad called when I was on the train and I remember just getting out of the train, rushing out. I was in Wall Street and I rushed out of the train and my dad said, we're okay, we're okay. And my dad was trying to sound together. But the moment that I said, you know, I love you. He just started crying. I think it was another day or two when I received the video from my brother. My brother is a photographer and he asked a friend photographer in Puerto Rico to go to our house in Caguas or my sister's house to shoot a video and then when he came back he was in the us. so I received this video of my sister and my two nieces my sister was in shorts with a tank top clearly it was hot and they don't have electricity so I'm sure they were just sort of dressed you know in the most comfortable way and my two nieces are just smiling shyly at the camera and my sister saying we're fine we just hear her voice was so calm and together Um, so of course you know I, I was happy to see them but I was wondering why is my mom not on the video I keep, th I keep thinking what's going on um, uh, a few days passed and I was at the gym it was a Sunday and I got a phone call and it was from my brother I said like I got mom I got mom I'm patching her through apparently had made a phone call through the third party so they called and I left the gym walked outside it's not very cold at that time of the day and I just said you know what's going on and you know my mom said we're fine we're fine just want to let you know that you know I need to get out of here <laughs> um you know at that point I remember when my mom had asked me that she wanted to leave you know two days before the hurricane and I told her I've already started the process to get the tickets, don't worry. We spoke briefly. I didn't want to speak for too long of a period that it would that it would waste my sister's phone battery, so I 
said, okay, let me talk to my sister. So I spoke with my sister and she said, she's not okay. She's not eating. You know, my mom has a stomach problem. She cannot eat certain foods or foods with certain ingredients. So apparently my mom had a, a sort of an episode um, in which she fainted or my sister wasn't cleared, but I was a little bit alarmed. Now, I knew she was going to be okay. Um, but my mom not eating, I couldn't stop the thing that that might have been a psychological way of coping with the reality by slowly just disappearing. Um, now my mom's here. She's begun to adapt to life in New York. My life has completely changed now that I have my mom living with me. Part of me feels that I am with a roommate who's a great cook, makes me laugh. And part of me feels like I am with an older person that I have to take care of that is frail and I might not be with me for very long. Part of me feels like I'm with a child who needs to be looked after all the time. My mom is neither of those things. My mom is a strong woman who happens to have had a traumatic experience. But I cannot help to think that I might not be able to take care of her the way she needs. That this city is not equipped for altruism that this world might be so deeply disturbed by our political climate that this wonderful woman might not be able to handle it. As you can hear, probably from this podcast, there's so much noise around here. Harlem's becoming louder and louder by the hour. Um, and um, it's time for me to go make food with my mom. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Um, you know, it's easy to get emotional when we're talking about our parents or our loved ones. Um, but instead of getting only emotional, I would like to hear your thoughts. If you are living with family or if you are missing family, Share your thoughts. Make a comment. Um, let's talk. Let's not be alone. In a separate episode, I would like to talk about Puerto Rico and its political clout, which is very, very, very limited here in New York and elsewhere, and how that can change. Again, I would appreciate your thoughts and your comments. My name is Huascar Robles in Harlem, New York. Thank you for listening.